Loudspeaker Studios. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hangover Liberation Society, the podcast celebrating the unexpected benefits of living a zero-proof lifestyle. I'm Adrienne Vandervalk. And I'm Erin Ranta, and we are the co-founders of Reva Recovery Support and the originators of the Hangover Liberation Method. And today we are bringing you some comments that we have received over the last few months. Uh, like many businesses, Erin and I advertise on Facebook, and sometimes we get some comments that are not so supportive. I wouldn't necessarily say that they're haters or trolls exactly, but they definitely reveal to us that the way that we approach recovery goes against what a lot of people believe. So yeah, sometimes we get some negativity. Would you say that's accurate, Erin? Most definitely. And we do get a lot of positivity as well. So I don't want to discount that but there are some comments that just throw us for a loop for a moment, and we usually end up discussing them. So we want to offer them up for you to discuss or even you know, reach out to us if you would like to continue the conversation with us regarding what we will share today. Yeah, we definitely want to bring you into the conversation because... If we're hearing these comments, we know that it's entirely possible that you may be too. And part of our mission is to change the paradigm around recovery. So let's get into it. Yes. So Aaron's going to read the first comment, which was made on a post that I wrote about my journey. If you're not familiar, I tried for about 10 years to quit drinking. And ultimately what worked for me is that I stopped trying so hard to quit and started focusing on improving the other areas of my life. Because essentially what happened when I just was so obsessed with trying to quit is I just became more obsessed with alcohol. But when I started changing the conditions of my life and really improving my relationship with myself and my body, which is what we teach in Reva, that was when alcohol started to have much, much less power over me. So I gave a little summary of that story in the ad. And this commenter, did not appreciate that. So Erin is going to do a dramatic interpretation of her comment. It's rather insulting to give the impression that it's so easy with just your little parlor trick. You obviously know very little about alcoholism, nor the alcoholic. I wish you peace. Peace sign hands emoji. Yes, peace sign hands emoji. That part is so funny to me because it's like, I'm going to disparage you and your recovery and question your integrity and your intelligence. I wish you peace. Like, lady, come on. You definitely do not wish me peace. But, you know, whatever. That's fine. Love and light. Love and light. Exactly. So this comment is, I have to say, when I first read it, it definitely hurt my feelings because, you know, that was such a personal journey and it took a long time and it did require me to completely transform my life. I think I texted Aaron and said something like, yeah, a parlor trick that took 10 years and still requires daily maintenance. <laughs> so, you know, I was, I was offended. But the other thing that I think is interesting about this comment is the use of the term the alcoholic, which feel how you will about the term alcoholic. Using the term the alcoholic just seems so clinical to me and so like, treating people like specimens rather than like people who mm -hmm. have a medical issue and in some cases compounded by psychological issues. So Aaron, you do identify as an alcoholic. What was your response to this? Well, I 
do identify as an alcoholic, but I do know that a lot of people don't. And I am so, so okay with that. And I even think that in medical communities, they don't use that term anymore. What bothered me about the comment is saying that we know very little about alcoholism. This person does not know what we know and nor what I have been through or what either of us have been through. And I have been through a very, very severe stint with being addicted to alcohol. I do know the journey. I am very familiar with the whole journey of alcoholism all the way up until the very, as they call it, late stage. That's what I was, late stage alcoholic. So I guess this person just does not know that we do know. And that's what bothered me about this. Yeah, I, this uh, this comes up in a few different comments, some of which we'll read and some of which we won't. But there's a lot of like, you obviously don't know anything. And I just think that also that's kind of a gendered comment. I can't imagine people writing that on a poster, an ad that was posted by a man. I think that there is just this sense of like, there's like a territorial thing that happens with recovery mm-hmm. too. We're like, I know what works and I know how this is. And mm-hmm. if anything that you say doesn't match up with what I believe, then you know nothing. And I think that that's something that we just have had to develop some thicker skin around. And this is a, a perfect example of that. All right. So let's move on to our next comment. And this one is on a really charming picture of Erin being super mom. She's like beating her screaming baby while holding off her dog who's trying to jump all over her and is the picture of serenity in the middle of this like domestic chaos. And the post, (laughs) which I think is a really honest one, is about the shame of hungover parenting and how many parents and moms in particular will turn to alcohol to manage the stress because parenting is so difficult in our society. And one of our commenters had some trouble finding empathy (laughs) around this concept. So here's Erin with the dramatic interpretation. And let me say this is written in all caps with some missing punctuation. Fantastic. No excuse will ever make me choose alcohol over my children, nor drugs. My children are, were, always, will be my first priority. Everything I do or I did was for them, my world, my life. Wow. Mother of the year. Congratulations. Yeah. So she obviously was mad about that post, but I will say that being a parent, I do know that the stress of parenthood is quite unmatched. I mean, there's moments where you're just, I, I have not been drinking since I've been a mother, but there are moments where I will say, God, it'd be nice to X, Y, Z, whatever that is. Get out of my head. Just stop this. What really bothers me about this comment is in society, it is pushed upon mothers to be a kind of a cute drinker, to drink during the day with their wine and their coffee cups, to drink at their kids' events, to drink after the kids go to bed, the t-shirts that say, when they whine, W-H-I-N-E, I whine, W-I-N-E, at Target, and shirts like that, you know, all over the place. So, but then the thing is, is when these parents are given an addictive substance saying, just have this, it's okay, it's cute, everybody's doing it, and then they get addicted, it's their fault, and there's so much shame put on them, and 
they are still wondering, what did I do wrong? I'm just doing what society told me to do. Well, and in many cases, what society forced me to do because, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we always try to look at the structural issues in addition to the individual issues. Our society is completely unsupportive for all the lip service that we give to the value of family, et cetera. The fact of the matter is that we don't pay parental leave Mm -hmm. in most cases, or if we do, it's like four to six weeks compared to other countries where you would get, you know, a year or more. The cost of childcare in this country is absolutely astronomical and unaffordable for many, many people. The way that our economy is set up, it's almost impossible for families to live on one income anymore. And so we're really Mm -hmm. setting parents up to have to work, but not be able to afford to take leave, not be able to afford to pay Mm -hmm. for daycare. And it's incredibly stressful. And then on top of that, we keep all of these really unrealistic expectations of like what kind Mm -hmm. of parent you should be and how present you should be and how you should behave and all the activities that your kids should be involved in in school and X, Y, Z. Sorry, Erin, am I stressing you out? (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. But, and also just in the quarantine too, I mean, parents home with children with Maybe they have a online virtual job and homeschooling and supposed to be a quote unquote perfect mother doing the house stuff and all that and being pushed. Oh, you could have some drinks, take the edge off. Heavy alcohol use rose 41% during at least the first year of the pandemic. And I can see why. I can definitely see why. Yeah. Yeah. So this comment to me is just so cruel because it's exactly what you said, Aaron. On the one hand, we're given all of this messaging about like, oh, it's funny and cute to drink because parenting's so hard and, you know, cool moms take the edge off. But we all know that quote unquote cute drinking can turn not cute pretty quickly. And then you're incurring the judgment and the wrath of people like, what's this person's name? Just say her first name. Donna. Donna who essentially is saying, you know, I would never do this and what a horrible mother you are. And Mm -hmm. I just think the need to flex that way and heap that kind of shame publicly is really gross and it's really part of the problem. I'm not a parent, but I have just mad respect for all you parents out there, however you are coping with it. I know that you're doing your best. And if you need help, we are here to, (laughs) to talk about that. Yes, judgment free zone over here. No Donna's over here. Right. (laughs) All right. So, this next one is on a post that we wrote together about essentially how much time we wasted when we were hungover and how now we feel like sobriety is a superpower because we are able to get so much more done and we found so much more time for joy in our lives. And Here is a really interesting and kind of weirdly contradictory comment from a poster named Debbie. And she says, sobriety is a superpower. Wow, that's pathetic. It should just be a way of life. And then the contradictory part is that she then posts a meme that says, people talk about drinking alcohol like it's an impressive skill. The real skill is to not drink and still have a great time. So which is it, Debbie? Is it pathetic or is it a skill? That just had my head spin a little bit. And 
that's about it. It was just ridiculous. It is. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And this is also just like another example of like people being like so extra online. Why mm-hmm. would you even? This is what I, I think I texted Aaron about this. I was like, imagine having so much time on your hands that you would bother to not only comment on somebody's Facebook, but then also go find a meme, like, meme to add to your comment. Like, I just really want to reiterate that I do think sobriety is a superpower. And Debbie, great for you if it's just if being sober is a way of life. That's fantastic. But, you know. For a lot of people, that is not true. And the inability to empathize or recognize that that's the reality for other people is just kind of makes you, I don't know, not someone that I want to hang out with, that's for sure. Every situation is different. And don't people know? I mean, don't people know that not everybody is like them? Exactly. People have different things, different experiences in their lives. And I think that that is actually at the heart of many of these comments. Like people just do not have any understanding that like not everyone is like them not everyone has the same resources not everyone has the same background or the same traumas or the same triggers our brains are different and if you can't understand that like I don't know then life must be really annoying to you (laughs) yeah I know I often wonder about in other situations what these people are doing saying commenting I bet they're actually not very fun at parties Hey there, I'm Sarah Moneres, the host of the WE Podcast, your space for inspiration, stories, and real talk. On the WE Podcast, we love talking about the things most people don't openly talk about, the real, messy human experience and how we can grow through it. Tune in on Loudspeaker every week on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Mountain and on Tuesdays on any of your favorite podcast apps. Join us in this space that's all about connecting through our stories, showing up for the real, and embracing the truth that we are not on this journey alone. See you there. So we also had one from another D name, Dawn, and I believe this was attached to the first ad that you were speaking yeah, of. Yeah, my post today. about changing the conditions of my life. Yeah. And she wrote, most real alcoholics don't want to stop drink. That's what she said. Until they hit a hard bottom. And even at that, it is very hard for many. Glad you found a way. Hope you're not trying to sail it. AA worked for me. It's free. Saved my life. So there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, I'm so happy for you, Don, that AA worked for you and that it saved your life. We would never, ever tell anyone not to try AA. I think that, you know, that is usually the first thing that people try and go to. And um, Aaron, I know that you used AA for a long time. And I know many people who have used it, some successfully and some uh, did not find that that was a good program for them. So there's that. The other, this is another comment that plays into the idea of like essentially what she was saying about me is that I was not a quote-unquote real alcoholic and that just again kind of going back to what we were saying before about completely negating 
the experience of many, many people who have substance use disorders for whom alcohol is causing major problems in their lives, but maybe they're not physically addicted or maybe they haven't reached, to use her term, a hard bottom. You don't have to wait until you get a DUI or lose your job or end up in the hospital to quit drinking. Like if there is one thing that, you know, we hope that people would take away from this episode is that there's just such a huge diversity of experiences Mm -hmm. and people respond to alcohol differently. They do because sometimes people want to stop drinking years before they stop. I know I did. I mean, years, years, years. And again, each situation is different. Each quote unquote bottom is different, whether you want to call it that or not. It can be just that you are tired of pressing snooze and you want to get up a little earlier and you want to drop your half a glass of wine every two weeks, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's to each his own. If you want to better your life, that is your choice. And the idea that you have to hit a bottom is also, I think, really dangerous because Very. it really does mess with people's minds. And they say like, well, mm-hmm. my bottom doesn't look like what I see on intervention or, you know, in mm-hmm. movies. Therefore, quitting is not for me. It's not something that I need to think about. Yeah. Or I'm going to ignore what I kind of hear in my senses to myself. I'm going to ignore my self-talk that I sense I should quit, but I'm going to ignore that because my life doesn't look like that extreme bottom. The other thing I want to say about that is I know that for me and for many other people that I've talked to, they had bottoms. Like there were bad times and maybe they didn't stop. I was definitely not in my worst drinking time when I quit. But there is something to the fact that like sometimes you just wake up and you know that you're done. I mean, that does happen to people where they're just so tired and something feels different. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that you had some like big, horrible thing happen to you. Sometimes it it truly is that you're just ready and there's no like reason for it that's explainable to other people. So this is another thing that we're hoping to really try to break up this narrative around the idea that you have to hit some sort of rock bottom. And then the last thing about this comment that I just want to address, because I think it's something that comes up a lot, is that there's something wrong with paying, you know, either charging for or paying for help with recovery or with changing your relationship with alcohol. So it is wonderful that AA is free and that's it is accessible. Like I said, it works for some people. It does not work for everybody. And I also believe that this is a very gendered comment, the suggestion that, you know, we run a recovery coaching program that's very high touch where we have contact with our clients every single day. What she's suggesting is that we should work full time for free. And I can't imagine ever, once again, ever putting a comment like that on a post or an ad that was made by a man suggesting that men should work for free because recovery coaching is like in the caring, helping profession, which is often associated with women, then the assumption is that we should just be giving away our labor labor for free. And, you know, Aaron and I are both highly qualified. We've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on our respective trainings and spent years getting ourselves prepared to do this work. And so I would love to be able to give it away for free. And in fact, part mm-hmm. of our business model is to be able to provide free services for people who can't afford them. But for right now, this is where we're at. And so to anyone else who's out there in the helping profession, you deserve mm-hmm. to be paid for your labor. This comment is really 
really just suggests that that we should live in a world that we don't live in because we all live under capitalism. And if we want to, mm-hmm. in fact, be able to sustain ourselves in this work, uh, charging for it is has to be part of the equation. And also, to be mm-hmm. honest, as someone who's paid for a lot of coaching in my life, I was more invested because... I had skin in the game because I had Mm -hmm. like opened my wallet and I wanted to make sure that I got the most I could possibly get out of the program. And if I hadn't Mm -hmm. paid for it, I don't think I would have done that. We offer things for free as well. So we have some free group support meetings. We have free movement classes. We offer, well, we have our free Facebook group, which we discuss with people whatever they would like to discuss about. We talk on the phone with people for free a lot. We have our visioning sessions, which is pretty much like a close to an hour session discussing discussing your life. We have free meditation. We have a lot of free services. So like Adrian said, I wish everything we could do for free and we did not live in a society where we needed money, but unfortunately we do. And we give as much as we can And that's that, you know, we have to charge for some of our services, but some we don't. And I feel completely uh, aligned and in integrity about that. So anyway, thanks, but no thanks, Don. Do you want me to read that one and then? Sure, sure. Okay, so here's one more that is actually a completely reasonable comment, but sort of implies that we didn't already know this and Aaron is going to address that. So this is from Allison and she says, this isn't safe for most real alcoholics. Once again, the use of the term real (laughs) alcoholic, cold turkey quitting can kill a physically dependent drinker. So this, that is correct. She is right that withdrawal from alcohol can kill somebody that is physically dependent. If somebody is going through withdrawals that we talk to, we would not have them come in our program. We would ask that they go to a medically supervised detox. I'm not a doctor. What I would do is find out where someone's located and just send them a couple places I'll Google and they take it from there. And they're more than welcome to come back to our program once they're medically stable. But I just want to make it very clear. We would never, ever accept someone into our program that is in withdrawals and the throes of withdrawals because it's not safe. So if you are somebody that drinks heavily, I would recommend not quitting cold turkey and either taper down or go to a medical detox. I'm not a doctor. I'm just speaking from experience. Yeah. And again, like our program is our program. We are not for everyone. We would never suggest that we are. And we would never tell anyone that our way is the only way or the best way for them if they don't think that it is. Like we really trust that people know what's best for themselves and we want to empower them to make the best decisions for their lives. Erin and I are here to share our experiences and share what's worked for us and what has worked for many of our students. But it would be completely against our philosophy actually to say that it would work for everybody or that it is the only way. We don't believe that there is only one way. Exactly. So our very last comment is really just a hilarious one that we wanted to share. And it was from from a woman. It was actually the very first Facebook comment that we got on any ad that we ever ran. <laughs> and she says, 
I don't drink and this offends me. <laughs> Again, I think this was in all caps as well, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so hilarious. Like somebody talking very vulnerably and earnestly about their experience with substance use disorder and someone's first reply, you know, first like response to it is this offends me. Well, I'm sorry if actually, you know, sorry, not sorry. Again, if this is like, that's what offends you. I'm pretty sure that that your life sucks because probably everything that you experience offends you. And you might want to just like lighten up a little bit. We spent that evening texting each other that various things were offending us. Yeah. (laughs) I basically use that phrase every day with my husband. This offends me. (laughs) It's given me a lot of joy. As you know, if you're a regular listener, each episode, we bring you a big sober energy tip to help enhance your life and your recovery journey. So today's big sober energy tip, uh, predictably, is don't read the comments. Don't feed the trolls. Sometimes when people get online, they get a false sense of invincibility behind the keyboard. And as we've mentioned, things that might be going wrong in their lives will just taint their perspective or embolden them to say things in the comments that maybe they wish they could say in real life. It's not kind. It's not productive. And it's basically a waste of time for us to engage really deeply with those comments. Now, we just spent 20 minutes engaging deeply with those comments because we actually found them to be fairly rich texts in terms of unpacking some of the narratives around recovery that really do need to be unpacked. But one thing that we've learned from this experience is just avoid the comments altogether or, you know, hide them or delete them or mute them, whatever you need to do. It's not worth sacrificing your peace. And the other thing that it really drove home for me is the need to really focus on cultivating a relationship with myself that made other people's opinions of me feel much, much, much less relevant. It made me realize that I was now in a place with my own sobriety and my own life that like, I feel very, very confident in what I'm doing and how I'm putting myself out there. And if other people don't like it, that's really their problem. And it takes a long time to get there. But that's an amazing place to be in terms of being able to master our own energy is to feel so secure in your relationship with yourself that other people's opinions just don't matter as much. We want to be open to real, valuable, thoughtful, critical feedback from people whose opinions we respect. Random people on the internet who are just spouting off because you're saying something that bumps up against a belief that they hold, That is, those are not people that we need to listen to. So that's my suggestion. Don't feed the trolls. Don't read the comments. Or if you do, use them as an opportunity to really fortify your own relationship with yourself and recognize that you're great and random people on the internet do not get to live rent-free in your head. Couldn't have said that better. Meditation and movement are essential components of the hangover liberation method. So we like to carve out a little time in each episode to either move or breathe with you. And today, Adrian is going to lead us in a meditation. Thank you, Erin. Before we start, I do want to say that if you're driving, please do not meditate while you are driving or doing anything else that might be dangerous. All right, so let's just take a moment to check in with the body here. 
And so just start by letting your right ear drift down toward your right shoulder, giving you a nice stretch through the left side of your neck. And then tuck your chin to roll your head forward, stretching through the back of the neck and continue rolling the head around to the left. And then just give it a few more rolls back and forth. And then bring the neck back to center. And then send your shoulders forward, up and back. Draw your shoulder blades down your back. Bring yourself into a nice tall seat. Let your spine be long, but find some ease in your body so you're not gripping or creating tension. Sitting tall, but also sitting nice and peacefully. You can close your eyes if that feels good for you. And we're going to do what's called box breathing. So empty your lungs completely of air. And then take a big inhale. Hold at the top of your inhale. And then exhale all the way out, completely emptying your lungs of air and then hold at the bottom. Inhale once again, really fill the lungs with air, feel the sensation of that beautiful deep inhale. Hold at the top. And then exhale, push all the air out of your lungs and hold at the bottom. Let's do one more round of breath. Inhale. And hold. And exhale. And hold. And now just allow your breath to be natural. Focusing on the sound and the sensation of the air as it enters and leaves your body. Box breathing is a fantastic way to activate the parasympathetic nervous system and to allow you to recover if you had a moment of stress. Slowing down your breath. Focusing on every stage of the inhale-exhale cycle. And gently reminding yourself to return to the focus on the breath, return to the sound, the sensation, the rise and fall of your chest. The rush of air as it leaves your nostrils. Whenever we find our minds racing, whenever we find ourselves spiraling in a moment of anxiety, the breath can be our lifeline. It can bring us back to a place where we feel centered and grounded and more connected 
with the deepest, truest version of ourselves. The place where we want to be making our decisions. The place where we want to be deciding how to respond rather than react. So just take a few more breaths here on your own. Anchor deep within your body. And then when you feel ready, you can slowly open your eyes and bring yourself back into the room or wherever it is that you are. Thank you so much, Adrian. That was beautiful. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. And thank you all so much for spending your time with us today. As always, if getting sober is something you have struggled with or you are just beginning your journey and need some support, feel free to reach out to us. You can learn more about our work at reverrecovery.com or follow us on Instagram at reverrecovery. We also have a free Facebook group, as Erin mentioned earlier. It's full of wonderful people and it's called Reva Holistic Recovery Support. You can search that on Facebook. And if you'd like to learn more about working with us directly, you can book a free visioning session by reaching out to us through any of these platforms. If you like the podcast, we'd appreciate it so much if you could give it a five-star rating and a review so other folks can find us. Thanks again for listening. And as always, cheers to you and your liberation. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Hangover Liberation Society is a production of Feminist Hot Dog and Loudspeaker. This has been a listener-supported production of Loudspeaker Studios. For more on this and other programs, visit loudspeaker.org.